Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing, you know, the craft of writing, the business of writing, but also just the writing life, what it takes to be a person and creating something that wasn't there before. That's a particular kind of life. And uh, we write about that. People write articles. I write a column three times a week about that. We also have feature video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Now, I'm not going to let a little thing like a global pandemic come between me and these video interviews. So even though I could not be joined in person by this month's guest, the wonderful, or April's guest, I should say, Laura Munson. I still had a conversation with her via Zoom, and it is posted right now on YouTube. It'll be up on Author Tomorrow. Fabulous conversation about teaching, writing, and the need for community in her novel, Willis Grove. Check it all out at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, Good people have been supporting writers from Penda Publications since 1955. And, you know, we do a conference every year. Now, as of this moment, we are still planning to have our conference in the uh, Seattle area in September. But, of course, as with everything on the planet right now, all things are in flux. But we plan to do something come September. Perhaps it will be our usual conference. It might be a blend of the actual conference and maybe some with some virtual options for people who are not comfortable gathering in large crowds. It's also possible we might do the entire thing virtually, classes through Zoom. We will be doing something, but we don't know what it is. So much of it, well, you know what it depends on. It just depends. Anyway, we are also offering online classes. I'll be doing one this Saturday, Fearless Writing, yes. So, uh, you know, no matter where you live, come check it out. Uh, PNWA.org, that's where it is. That's where it is. Oh, people, it's so good to do these conversations. We don't, I, you know, I've kind of been, I'm indoors a lot, but man, I'm really indoors now. And so I just love having these conversations, and I'm so glad I got to talk to my guest today. She's in faraway Key West, but no, through the magic of the internet, she's joining me today, Katrin Schumann. Her work has been featured multiple times on Today and in Woman's Day. London Times and NPR, as well as other national and international media. Her debut novel, The Forgotten Hours, was a Washington Post and Amazon Charts bestseller. Her latest novel, This Terrible Beauty, has been called luminous and unflinching, unputdownable, and hard to forget. It was chosen by She Reads as among the most anticipated women's fiction in 2020. 20. She's also the author of several nonfiction books, and for the past 10 years, she's been teaching writing, most recently at Grub Street, at local prisons through Penn, New England, and now also teaching down in Key West. Yes, she is, and she's with us today. Katrin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your enthusiastic introduction, Bill. Oh, enthusiasm's what I do best. Uh, keeps me sustained. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, 
So, you know, how are you holding up? You know, writers, we, we like to be indoors. We like to be alone, but this is different. So uh, how are you holding up? I know. I was just um, uh, thinking miserably about how not all that long ago I was dreaming of having endless time to write. Um, and here I am. I'm not going into my office job currently. I mean, I do love my office job, but I, it's on hold temporarily. Um, and I'm just not able to turn to my own writing. It's really driving me kind of crazy. Um, but I've also been writing long enough to understand that I just have to kind of go with the flow and I have to keep trying and keep turning up and try not to hate myself too much when things are hard. Yes. I would recommend, if possible to not hate yourself at all. But, you know, I understand how it goes. <laughs> I, I totally yeah. understand. When you're having, when your life is its normal rhythm, what is your writing schedule? Well, it changed in the last couple of years because um, I, I used to really write uh, full time and I would teach in addition, but the teaching was, uh, you know, episodic. Um, right. And now, since I've been down in Key West about a year and a half, I um, have a job with the Key West Literary Seminar for 20 hours a week. So it's uh, a bit different because now what? Now I have to kind of fit the writing into um, the the rest of the time in my life. And it used to be that uh, I I actually had more time to write. I don't know which is better when you have more uh, time or when you have less time. Frankly, you know, it's not clear to me. Um, but I think in my case, um, the issue is really that first drafts for me are really, really difficult. And with all of my books, um, I've struggled through that first draft, um, really not enjoying the process all that much. And it's not until I get that awkward, horrible draft down that I um, feel like I have some sense of control over the story and I can go back in and, and vastly improve it and, and noodle around happily with it after that. So I'm sort of in first draft uh, hell right now. Oh, oh, interesting. Now, I would say on average, uh, writers tend to prefer the, the blissful ignorance of the first draft where they can make all their mistakes and dream all their dreams about this book, but not you. You don't like no, the uh, lack no. of certainty, do you? You want to know a bit more no, than you and, do. Yeah, you know, I wonder sometimes if it has something to do with my being German and having been raised by German parents. You know, I yeah. have a very strong sense of uh, purpose and a, and a work ethic and um, – a very clear sense of my own shortcomings. And I think in the first draft, it's just the dream of what you want that novel to be. You're still so far away from achieving that. Um, that for me, that's the overriding uh, preoccupation that I have, that, it, that I still have such a long way to go. Um, yeah. And then, you know, once I get further along and I understand better what my themes are and what I'm trying to achieve and I've got my characters worked out better, it just becomes more fun and more playful uh, for me at that point. So it is, it is a, you know, an, an odd process and I'm, I'm sure it's not the same for uh, all writers. It, it pretty no. much varies with each of us. It does. I mean, everybody has their own, um, their own way of working and their own personality challenges, you know, their own. Yeah. I, I teach writing and well, as, as do you. And I really focus on the sort of when I'm not writing up teaching personal essay I'm focusing on the emotional challenges of writing and a lot mm -hmm. comes up for people when they face that blank page 
and realize everything that goes on it is their choice and they can't blame anyone. They can't. And that brings up all kinds of stuff in people. Uh, Yeah. did, Did you, are you someone who's been writing, sort of all her life or is that something that you discovered yeah. as a young woman? Where, where yeah. how long, what's the relationship to writing there? Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm one of these tiresome um, people who started writing when I was like six, you know, wrote yeah. my first little hardcover book that I made myself wow. and tapped away on my mother's typewriter, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and then I, I, thought for a while that I wanted to become a journalist that seemed to me like you know maybe a good way to make a living with writing and um, so I studied languages in in college and then I went on to study journalism in grad school Um, but you know it takes a certain type of personality to be a really good journalist and I discovered pretty quickly that I wasn't uh, really competitive enough and that I was much more interested in the longer form storytelling um, yeah. And that I really liked working in collaboration with other people so that the teaching and the collaborative work, that was much more kind of my, my speed. Um, so for quite a while, I worked um, actively as a, a collaborative nonfiction writer. And that was fantastic for me because that definitely uh, scratched that itch of, of needing to be purposeful and get things published and have, quote unquote, uh, success. Um, and all along, I was also working on fiction. Um, so the fiction is, uh, you know, my first book came out last year, and then my second one just came out um, on March 1st. That's, yeah. that's newer in my career, but that doesn't mean it's something I haven't been working on for quite a while. Interesting. So collaborative nonfiction, what does that look like yeah. um, in process-wise? How does that work? Well, so it started, it was, it was kind of interesting. I fell into it by accident because I had been trained as a journalist. So, you know, I had certain writing skills. Um, right. And I fell into helping a ghostwriter do her research. Oh, and then little okay. by little, I started doing more and more of that kind of work. And what I really discovered was that, you know, a lot of people have a story to tell. And they're just not particularly gifted as writers themselves. And and one thing that many people lack is the understanding of how to put together an entire book. Because that's very different than doing a short essay, you know, right. or even a short story or something that is shorter form. And somehow it seemed I had a knack for um, working with other people, helping them uh, develop their ideas, and then being the one to kind of to, to execute that. So I worked on um, a number of uh, nonfiction books, um, some of which were published traditionally, some which were published independently for like right. organizations and, and companies. Um, yeah. And that was always fun for me to work with other people. Um, but I tell you all along, I always had that dream of writing fiction because for me, the fiction was what was really hard and I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. You know, I, I had set my sights on this and uh, yeah. come hell or high water, I was going to achieve it. Wow. All right. So there's that German tenacity. We, that there is, you go. If it's real or not, but it sort of sounds like it in you. Um, but so you said it was hard uh, and that's a common experience of fiction um, aside from first drafts, what is hard about the novel or Katrin? Well, so um, the, 
yeah, the, the book that just has been published, This Terrible Beauty, is a uh, historical novel that's set in the 50s and 60s um, in East Germany. And so with a book like that, the challenges were really significantly different than they were for my first novel. Um, with This Terrible Beauty, you know, I, got, I fell so in love with the era and with the sort of political complications yeah. and the the intrigue and all the research, and it's really easy to lose yourself in, uh, you know, the black hole of the internet and looking up, <laughs> you know, fabulous old photos and listening to scratchy recordings from the era and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And of course, you need you need to have that kind of texture and depth to your writing, but you also have to have a really uh, compelling, you know, storyline that that keeps the readers turning pages, and so I think for me that was the trick with this terrible beauty: learning how to balance those things that I was interested in that um, are not necessarily in and of themselves uh, compelling to readers, and figuring out how to wrap story that would really bring readers into that era and and help them see how some of the things that happen in the book and some of the themes are reflected maybe even in their own lives today. Um, yeah. So I, 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 you know, I wrestled around with that for a while and I, I think I succeeded in the end, you know, that's, that's why the book is, is out there now, but it, right. was, it was quite the journey getting there. Yeah. Yeah, that is the common with most, uh, with many of the historical or, or novels who have written his places, books set in a historical time and in a story that is to some degree couldn't be couldn't be told if it were not in that time and place. Was that is that a fair description of this terrible beauty? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say it, so. I mean, it, it it looks at a particular moment in time after World War II when the yeah. Russians took over East Germany. And so yeah. I do think it's unique to that period. But I have to say, I think that the best historical fiction has themes that resonate even today. And so I hope that this book looks at certain issues like the seduction of power and fake right. news and propaganda. Right. And, you know, the slow and steady loss of control of agency over our own lives. All those things unfortunately, are still things that we're dealing with in very different well, ways uh, today. I, I will tell you, I was watching a documentary on the on Commodus, who's the son of Marcus Aurelius and was the emperor after mm -hmm. him, and he was not a good emperor. And he reminded me of mm -hmm. a certain president <laughs> because he was oh, yeah. not really cut out for the job. And some of the, oh God, it was so eerie, some of the crossover there. And I thought, yeah. yeah, I mean, around leadership, there's probably certain things just come up again and again and again around human nature. So, well, yeah. yeah, so, so, yeah. All right. So you found a story, obviously. But interestingly, this story is tied to a, a personal, I mean, a personal family. I mean, vaguely, it was the, the, yeah. the, the sort of fire yeah. was lit by a personal experience, wasn't it? Well, that's right. You know, I. I most of the things that happen in this book are not things that happened to my family. Um, but I grew up hearing the occasional story from my father, who uh, was a little boy in the war, and his father, his, his own father, was killed by the Russians. So my, my dad grew up in Potsdam, which is just outside Berlin. And I heard these stories, and to be honest, you know, they, 
they didn't mean all that much to me. I mean, I understood that it was dramatic, and I felt sorry for my dad, who had always grown up without a father. But I didn't feel particularly connected emotionally to those stories. And then I went with him on a trip to this island um, in uh, northern Germany on the Baltic Sea. And that experience just kind of caught my imagination. And I couldn't turn away from this incredible reality that just brought it home to me. We snuck into this old fisherman's cottage, and I saw how these ordinary German people had had suffered through fascism and then communism. And I just wondered what that was like, like a, an ordinary person who discovers that their, that their lives go completely off track. And uh, every choice that they make is kind of circumscribed by, uh, by things that are completely out of their control. Um, right. So that's where I really got hooked into this particular storyline. And then there are some, there's some little details in the book that are actually real stories, like scraping the swastika off the gravestone when the Russians came, um, you know, wheeling a, a body home in a wheelbarrow uh, at the end of the war, uh, you know, various little details that are really uh, pretty grim, um, but that crop up in this, um, in this book in, in different places. You know, it strikes me that when... So your protagonist is she's in you know anyone living first through Nazi the Nazis and then the Russian occupation a lot out of your control a lot that you would want to be different out of your control it does remind me what we're going through now there's a lot that's out of our control that is affecting our yeah. lives but it strikes me that when you are living in a place in time where so much is out of your control that is having an effect on your life it really forces you to look at what you do have control over. I mean, you can choose not to. You can yeah. spend all your time staring at what you don't have control over. But it seems to me it, it requires you to go and look at, if you're going to stay sane, what you actually do have control over. That's something I've certainly well, been looking at, at for the last yeah. three weeks in a way that I, even more than I normally that's do. That's right. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think in the case of my particular story in This Terrible Beauty, the young woman who's at the center of the story, um, you know, she's in a position where she works in a factory and she's married to a man she doesn't really love and she's hopeful and she wants to have a family and a regular life, but things are not going her way and she's made some choices already that, that aren't serving her. And she ends up falling in love uh, and actually discovering herself through this um, really dangerous situation that she puts herself in. And so that is a choice, you know, that's a, that's a choice of her own making, you know, she makes her own yeah. bed there and has to lie in it basically. Um, and yet that asks the question as well, how much are we in control of our deepest feelings when we, when we uh, encounter somebody who like helps us become who we think we're supposed to be, you know, can yeah. we resist that um, when it, when it's so, when it seems so, so natural and so right, even though it's not. Um, so it's, it's complicated by these, um, these serendipitous things that happen that are, are smaller scale, but also kind of a little out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. I have often thought that we don't get to choose who or what we love, we get to choose whether we obey that love. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you get to make, yeah. I don't think you get to, you know, 
what the guy Harlan yeah. Oben he wrote um, somewhere over the rainbow, and he said his creative method was drift, listen, obey. <laughs> the obey was when uh-huh. the, the idea came, and I've always thought that's with love. You know, either you follow it or you don't. And, but you don't get to yeah. pick who you fall in love with. You just don't. You can't say, I'm going to fall in love with that person. I've tried it. It didn't work. Right. I don't think anyone could do it. Right. Does that make It's sort of like yeah. that with writing. It's like that with writing, too, Katrin. You don't, you don't get you – can, you can't make yourself love a story you don't want to tell, you know? You can't make yeah. yourself love that yeah. story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting because that brings up actually my first book, um, The Forgotten Hours, which came out last year. And that's a contemporary novel. And I have to be honest, I really fought against writing that. I just, I really didn't want to write it. It's, it's a story about a rape accusation. Um, oh. Two best friends, one of them accuses her father, uh, her best friend's father of, of rape. And um, I really didn't want to write that story. I, I, you know, I thought it was going to get me in a lot of hot water. And it was sort of it, it, the first draft, as I mentioned earlier, was horrible. Yeah. Um, and not much fun. But I think sometimes as writers, we're called to do certain things in spite of ourselves. And we keep turning up again and again, like wrestling with these ideas. And even when we're not that sure why or what those ideas might be. And I think there's a certain surrender that you have to um, be willing to commit to um, that that sometimes you, you just you just have to keep at it and keep trying. And that certainly was the case with The Forgotten Hours. Now, you know, by the time I finished it, I was, I was pleased, you know, and I felt that I had personally achieved something very important. But then when I started to hear back from readers, then it kind of made sense to me too. And I had a much better understanding of what was compelling me to work on this story, even though I, I really hadn't, wanted to so I just think there's something kind of weird and obsessive about us writers and but that's part of why it's mysterious and 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 engaging right right absolutely well and so here's a question so you were so all the time you're writing the nonfiction, you're working on fiction but the forgotten hours is your first book what what yeah what changed that you went from working on fiction to publishing it uh, I think I just learned, <laughs> learned, uh, you know, and, and became a better writer. Um, this Terrible Beauty, which is the one, the book that's just come out, I have actually been working on that for many years. So it seems like I wrote that, you know, after I wrote my first one. Uh-huh. Um, but in fact, it was something that I'd been working on previously for a long time. So I think, you know, I was I was busy in kind of a day job doing this nonfiction work and, you know, raising a family and teaching and various fingers and various pies. But I always had some nonfiction book, I mean, sorry, some, some novel kind of in mind. I pretty much always was working on something. But it just right. it took me a while to figure it out, you know. Um, yeah. And then I got my, got my breakthrough last year and, and, um, and published my, my first novel. So uh, it just took a while. And so you're a novelist now. You got two of them, for God's sakes. What What do you think, Catherine? Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you are you comfortable with that mantle? Does it not mean anything to you? What do you think? <laughs> it's you know it means something to me in that I 
am really proud of those two books. I mean, in the end, I did feel that in each case, I did the best I could do. Like, I really tried, and I gave it my all, and I did my best, and I'm, and I'm proud of them. Um, and I have to admit that looking ahead, I mean, I'm writing, you know, I'm working on a first draft of another novel, and it's difficult. And right. sometimes I ask myself, like, you know, do I want to keep doing this? I'm definitely not a writer who can churn books out, you know, one after another. It, it, right. it might appear that way, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to have another novel coming out next year. Um, right. it, it, it's just not a fast process for me. It's it's much slower than that. And so, um, I don't know, I'm trying to keep an open mind. You know, I, I have this, this work I do here with the literary seminar that I love, and I um, am still connected with my writing community in Boston and do some teaching and conference work and stuff. So I, I find that I like to mix it up a little bit and do, do a bunch of different things. And that way I don't have all my eggs in the novel basket, so to speak. Right, right. You keep, but, but, the, but, but, but you need to, the not, there is something about the novel, about the book and the novel where it's sort of checking in with yourself and saying, just left to my own devices. What am I, what, what interests me? You know, I mean, there is something which yeah. is, you know, I, I, it, cause I like collaborating too, but there is something about, okay, but now I close the door and what is it that wants to come out when I'm alone? That's a different sort of yeah. question. It seems to me. Well, definitely. And I think you can probably attest to this too, that we often just don't know at all. And, you know, oh. we'll find ourselves thinking about some topic or some moment or some idea or something kind of vague even and coming back to it again and again and again and not really being certain what it means. Um, And eventually it reveals itself, uh, I think. I mean, I feel like it did to me. I mean, in the end, after I finished both these novels and they were really polished and I'd really done the best I, I could, I, I know, I understand now what I was trying to achieve and what my themes were um, and why I was obsessed with them and, and working so hard on it. But I didn't know that when I was in the middle of doing it. I was, it's like yeah. stumbling around in the dark, you know, yeah. trying to find your way. Yeah, At least that's what true. it feels like to me. It's uh, really not that way for every writer, but it is for me. Well, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's, I, I talk to a lot of writers, Catherine. Well, I mean, you do too, I know, but it's, there's, there's a lot of not knowing. And I think actually the not knowing is what makes it interesting. I, I mean, I know I've said on this show before that I read a lot of short pieces, and I'm just four or 500 words, and I make sure not to think I know what those pieces are going to be before I write them, even though I've written so many, I feel like I could compose them in my head. But it's the not knowing that's going to come. And these are little pieces about my own life often the discovery within those that makes them interesting. I think we need to not know to be interested. I think that's just where the magic happens. Well, that is definitely the case for me. So I agree with that. Um, But I have a a good friend, Erica Forensic, who's who's published a couple of really excellent uh, thriller-type books. And uh, her books are so awesome. They're just so compelling. Um, yeah. But she plans her books out. You yeah, know, she yeah. knows what she's yeah. going to write, and there's still magic to it, but yeah. she has a totally different process. Right. So I would say so, about 20% you know, of writers are like that, are like these, and yeah. they often are genre writers, often genre writers who can really hammer it out ahead of time. And if you are like that, you have got to hammer it out ahead of time or you are lost. 
But I would say yeah. the majority do either no outlining whatsoever or just uh, – I'm sorry. I've got all kinds of alerts going on. Or, um, <laughs> or they have some uh, because the discovery has yeah. got to happen on some level. All right. Well, listen, Kathy. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, you were going to tour, but can't do that. No, no, no. But you're doing this kind of thing. Good. Yeah. But people still are interested because you're interesting. They're going to want to learn about you. <laughs> where is the best way? What's the best way to do that? So the best way to do it is go to my website. Uh, it's uh, katrinschumann.com. Um, and there's a little bit about me, and there's a bunch about my books. And I have a newsletter that's kind of fun. It's about creativity and art that comes out uh, once a month. They could sign up for that. Um, but the good place to start really is the, um, is the website uh, with lots of background information on the books and uh, research I did and maps and all that sort of stuff. So for anybody who, who's interested in that, actually also I, I wrote, I, I write a blog once a month for um, Grub Street in Boston and that's all mm. available on my uh, website and so there's seven years worth of monthly blogs on there about the joy and agony of being a writer. <laughs> you can look that up too. Oh, it's right up my alley. That sounds great. Okay. So Catherine, <laughs> final question. Yeah. Final question. I want you to finish this sentence. Yes. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh, it has taught me patience. Ah, yes. Can't have, you can't, it's impossible to be too patient, isn't it? It's impossible. That's right. <laughs> you need uh, unending reserves of patience to be a writer, that's for sure. Man, I'll tell you, there's a lesson I... Too. You need to be driven. But... Yeah, but it's a weird thing, but you need patient drive. I'll tell you, I had to learn that one. I learned it yeah. the hard way. Catherine, thank you so much. Yeah. Congratulations on the book. It's wonderful. And good luck with... Thank you're you. You're going to be all right. Just make it through this first draft and the <laughs> fun will start. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> I hope so. You're very welcome. Okay, patience, people. Hey, patience and how long it takes to write a book. Patient just to wait for the word to come. For the idea. Yes, you got to wait patiently. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, thank you to my producer. R.J. Jeffries, you're awesome as always. And thank you to all of you out there sheltering in place or whatever you're doing. Hang in there. We're going to get through this. We're going to communicate with each other. We're going to write our stories. We're going to read it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It always is. But until, until, until next week, and I'll be back, find something you love to do in your little world. Find something you love to do and do it.